And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, not such a a great feeling right now uh, in Kansas City here. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all what we expected from this game. But um, in fact, I don't think anybody expected this. A result from this game. I think I saw people, I didn't happen to see it myself, but I guess all the commentators on the TV broadcast picked the Chiefs before the game and folks are yep. worried about it. <laughs> yeah, Shouldn't I'll be too worried. <laughs> I'll admit, I, I severely underrated the Green Bay Packers and I come away from this game thinking they're going to make the postseason and they're, they're kind of like the AFC, the NFC version of the Houston Texans in my mind, right? Mm. Like if the Houston Texans can kind of sneak in there, they look dangerous. Like it's one of those March Madness teams that you're not going to want to play. I think the Packers and Texans sort of fit that bill. Um, I think the Chiefs used to kind of be that when they were on their way up, where you know you, nobody wanted to see the Chiefs. Um, more so, I you know I think going into the playoffs and in, in the Alex Smith days, especially toward the end there, I just think. Uh, just, you know, we're a team that you didn't want to see in the postseason. So the Packers come off to me uh, as that still a, a really interesting, unique game. And we're going to get into it more uh, in the marinated takeaways, um, just like a possession filled game. Very odd. Uh, before that, we'll go back to the Monday Zoom presser from Andy Reid and, and talk about some of the things that he said uh, following this game. But first, John, we have. A review uh, to get through. I asked for reviews last week and one came through. I I demanded three, but the demands were not met. I only got one. (laughs) This is from Farber six. After hearing Pete's top five Spotify, Spotify songs with C dot, I was left with a burning question. So urgent and critical in my survival that I reset my iCloud password just to leave this review. But we'll thank you for that. uh, Farber Pete. During the song Rockstar of a Post Malone, when he sings, when my homies pull up on your block, they make that thing go gra-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> do you do the finger guns with one or both hands? <laughs> I'm a, I've always been a double finger gun guy, and I love the, the Shooter McGavin type of look, so definitely <laughs> both hands. Anyway, he said, regardless, your insightful and diligent coverage of my favorite sports team elevates what is already an exciting time in Chiefs Kingdom for us fans who want to know more, even that more, uh, even if that more includes in-depth coverage of T-Swift and her impact on the game. With that, <laughs> time's yours. That's a great review, so thank you for that. It uh, means a lot uh, for you to say that. We do have a, a, an offering that, that gives me a nice segue to say. If you, you want more, we are putting out a newsletter three times a week during the season. It'll be regularly during the offseason, Arrowhead ta- arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Arrowhead Pride Premier, if you are, are wanting more and more and more, that's a, that's one way to do it. Of course, we'll have our regular updates always at arrowheadpride.com. All right, let's get into Andy Reid after this disappointing loss, 27 to 19 uh, in Green Bay. As always, if you want to listen to Andy Reid uncut, unfiltered, we have that available on the From the Podium podcast. Steve does a good job making sure that that, that gets up. But once again, uh, Andy Reid was in this somber, reflective mood, and I thought his opening statement was pretty good. Here's what he had to say. Report that I gave you that I thought Green Bay played a a good game, better than what we did. Um, They made fewer mistakes than what we did. So um, 
and that includes myself in the mix here. It starts with some of the calls that I can help our guys with, um, in particular down the red zone, um, and then our some of our execution down there, you know, whether it's penalties, sacks, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I can help them with with that part and do a better job there. Um, uh, defensively, you know, our objective is to get off the field um, as soon as you possibly can, and uh, they they were able to use the clock and uh, in a couple different ways by not getting off the field and then letting it get down to that five second area. So uh, they shorten the game that way and opportunities that way. Um, so we can do a better job in both those areas. Uh, we did, we did some good things on special teams, but we could, we gave up a, a fairly big kickoff return. So <clears throat> we got to do, we can tighten that part up. Uh, likewise, we're very close. And as you guys know, in this league, it's a week to week thing. I mean, I know the 49ers are doing a great job right now, but they, they went through a period where they, where they lost uh, three games and everybody thought it was over. And so, um, I understand that's how it's perceived outside our building, inside the building here, though. Uh, we understand that. We understand we've got to get better. I was able to talk to the team after the game and, and, and tell them that and the margin between winning and losing in this thing is, is small just to start with. So if you start messing around with, uh, some of these things that I just talked about, <clears throat> then you can fall behind in a game and it's tough to get yourself back into uh, that position. But at the same time, you're very close. So you take care of that and then you, then you end up on the long, on the long end of the stick there uh, with a, with a win. So anyways, with that uh, time, I don't have anything for you injury wise right now. So we'll get that to you later. And Andy having nothing injury wise didn't stop people from asking about injuries, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> but I, I think what stood out there for me, John, and I, I think it was atypical for Andy Reid to do it is to name another random team in the NFL. I mean, this mm, is something yeah. that that is largely atypical, but I think he wanted to make a point in the sky isn't falling. I think he wanted to get that message across and what better way to do that than looking across to the NFC and it, it is actually a great point. <laughs> you should do, yeah. you should make these comparisons more, more often, but <laughs> you had a San Francisco 49ers team who started the season really hot. They were five and zero. Oh. They end up losing three games in a row heading into their bye week uh, against teams that, you know, would be considered not, not as good as them. Even, you know, when there weren't the, the quarterback injuries, the Browns, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Cincinnati Bengals, so five and zero turned to five and three. There was a sky is falling feeling in San Francisco, and now since the break, they have four wins in a row: the Jaguars, the Bucks, the Seahawks, and then a very, very dominant, impressive win over the Philadelphia Eagles, forty-two to nineteen uh, on on Sunday, and that led us into Sunday Night Football, but. It it is a what did you do for me lately type of of league, and I don't I don't think they're shying away from the fact that this was a very very disappointing performance against the Green Bay Packers. But I I think the grand message there was it's one week and this can change very fast, right? Like so, if the Chiefs were to rattle off five wins to close the season, I think it's it's going to be all happy go lucky. And now one thing to say and another thing to do it, but 
Uh, it's true. It's true. It's a it's a very reactive league, and I I think we're seeing that in both the comments on X in our our emails and in, in some of the the things that people have been saying in our comments on the actual website. Understandable to be disappointed, but there's a lot of football left to play here. I think you know one of the hardest things to do if you're an NFL player never having been one, of course, but looking at it from the outside and, yeah. and thinking about it in terms of what Andy said today, I think it must be really hard to put a lot of importance on these winning and losing these games. And also when the games are over, if they don't go the way you expect to put them behind you. Yeah. I mean, I just can't, you know, I, I know people who get completely wound up over the their team winning and losing. I can't imagine how much more that's the case if you're a member of the team and you got to put that away to go play the following week um, so that you it doesn't become a, a, an ongoing problem. I, I just can't imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah, I said this to Steve on the Arrowhead Pride Report uh, this morning when we were reacting initially to, to the game. And I think it's just the idea of something that I was saying like a little bit earlier on this podcast. Like, I think this loss to the Green Bay Packers is going to look a lot better toward the end of the season. Like I see them going on a run here. They're a much better team than five and six. And a lot has to do it because they're young. And Jordan Love, I think, is an emerging quarterback. And, you know, I, I think this can be a turning point for Kansas City. But I also don't think the loss is as bad as the records say right now, which is, you know, no more victories in the NFL. I get all that. But I, I think that's worth noting it. As well, as I mentioned, Andy Reid said no injury updates uh, at the beginning here, but that didn't stop our our great uh, our great media core from pushing Andy on Nick Bolton first, and then Brian Cook. Here was the update on Nick Bolton. Yeah, so Jesse he he, he practiced last week, um, and I know he's chomping at the bit to get get back in there and and play. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes for this week. Uh, he will be a week better though. I know that. And, um, and we'll just see, see how it, how it works out, you know, as uh, these next couple of days. So Nick Bolton was already out. We knew that Drew Tranquil leaves very early in the game. And then suddenly you have Jack Conkren, uh, who had to be the mic that that was a, a big part of this game as I think as well, uh, throwing it thrown into the fire there seemed like he uh, was able to to do a good job, but you wonder now it's tougher to get out of the concussion protocol uh, these days. If, if Drew Tranquil will end up missing next game and will that put added pressure on Bolton who practiced last week and was looking pretty good in our, our brief media looks, will that put pressure on Bolton to try to return? I tend to think this is going to be one of those situations where if he does play John, it's going to, he's going to have that, that club weapon, um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the way that his arm looks right now, it's a, it's a hard cast that goes from about the middle of his arm all the way through his wrist, which was the injury, and his, his fingers are available. So if uh, a quarterback throws in his direction, it could be a little bit harder to, to catch the interception, uh, but I think you could really use that sideline-to-sideline ability that he has uh, in defending the run. You know, I, I think this was something that the Chiefs missed. Uh, yesterday they've have kind of missed it since he's been gone drew has done a, a really nice job but uh, would be good to get bolton back and i wonder if there's going to be added pressure uh, to get him back on the field and, and i'm sure if drew can't go he's going to be saying to this training staff clear me clear me clear me so i don't know i tend to think we're going to see bolton return next week that would be my guess well i think bolton's going to be saying that to the training staff whether drew tranquil is ready or not yeah, based point. on what reed has been saying right. i mean he's been he's been saying 
all last week too, when he was asked about it, that Bolton actually before that, that Bolton was screaming to get back on the field. So uh, I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be necessary for him to feel any more pressure because yeah. I think he's already feeling quite a bit. I do think though, um, I always like to think that the chiefs don't make those kinds of decisions where, okay, we, we should put him back out there because tranquil isn't going to be ready. I, I don't believe the chiefs tend to look at it that way, but I guess I could always be surprised that they, right. uh, that they would put aside the need in their, um, uh, or actually emphasize the need versus what's best for the player. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think he'll be back. I mean, I just think it, yeah. you know, it's all kind of adding up. He might've been back anyway, as you were alluding to, but I think this kind of solidifies it for me. Um, yeah. I know we don't like to say like, Oh, they're not going to push a player despite injury. Well, you know, maybe they won't <laughs> say it, but <laughs> yeah, they do it. Uh, speaking of injury, Brian cook it looked like he suffered a nasty ankle injury. It felt, felt like the way that it played out on Sunday night football that he had for sure broken it. I mean, it was everything that you look for in, um, in a serious injury, they didn't want to show this replay. Uh, if you caught a picture of it, it looked gross. It looked like it was like a grotesque injury. Uh, he was crying and carted off. And then somehow uh, today ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that Brian cook did not suffer a fracture in that ankle. I, I think the structural stuff still has to be determined, right? John, like it's, it's MRI. But yeah. anyway, Andy Reid was asked for a, a, a for, about that report. The fact that he had not fractured the, the ankle. And here's what Reid had to say. Yeah, he's had work done on that uh, ankle before. And so that's kind of what they're going through right now before anything's put out there. I, I don't want to give you anything that either way on that I because I don't know uh, because of the, the the work that he's had done on that on that ankle. So I'm going to just kind of save that for later till I can give it to you, you know, the facts. So a little bit of a wait and see thing on Brian Cook. I don't expect him to be playing next week, but maybe there's a window here. You know, we still have five weeks left of the season. Uh, you know, and there's a wild card. If the Chiefs are able to turn things around, maybe they have a week off there. You know, if they if things kind of break their way here. Uh, John, how are you feeling uh, about this this Brian Cook situation? Well, I, I'm um, I'm a little confused by what Me too. Reed said about it today. Um, it's interesting that it's a an area where he's previously had an injury, apparently, right. um, which is uh, sort of concerning. But, um, you know, I'm glad that they're taking that into account as they decide what to do about it. That's the, the right approach, of course. Um, I guess we're just going to wait and see what they say about it. But, of course, after a couple of days go by, they're not going to tell us anything more about it until he's uh, until he's designated to return for practice. So I do not uh, anticipate him to be practicing anytime soon. I, I, yeah, I, maybe it's not season ending, but I, I feel like it's somewhat serious. I think Jared was on X this morning, maybe suggesting that it could be high ankle. We really don't know. I mean, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I thought he was done. Uh, very odd that that he, yeah. he didn't fracture. Fortunate, and and you know you're thankful for that. But yeah, it, interesting. It's very scary when the announcers say we're not going to show you the replay. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the morbid among us are like, let me go to Twitter so I can look at this replay. I, you know? I did exactly the same thing. Yeah, it was um, it was it was very tough to watch. I, I I wanted to watch it once just so I had a sense of you know how, how serious it was, and I 
Nick, Nick from, I was at the studio and Nick from 41 showed it to me. And, and I, I said, you know, Nick, never show me and show, show me that again. Um, so I, I thought it was grim, but Hey, good break for the chiefs here. Uh, he's a key player. And if he can somehow be ready late in the season for the playoffs, that'll be great. All right. Uh, last, uh, Last quote from Reed. This was my question. I, I think the entire game changed, and maybe this is you know going into a little bit of the marinated stuff here. But I thought the entire game changed uh, with that interception from Mahomes to Moore. As bad as they had played in the night, and as much as they were outplayed by the Green Bay Packers, John, they had an opportunity, right? Like, and you take that all the time. Where Mahomes is down less than a touchdown, and you have the ball in your hands with all these timeouts and plenty of time on the clock, and it just was a grand miscommunication between. Pat and and Sky. Some have said that Sky could have ran the route better, and then he stopped running. Mahomes blamed himself, of course. You know, after so, you know, my question was to to Andy just about that, and you know, do they have enough in the wide receiver room? And and Coach Reed zoned in on this particular play. Yeah. So listen, I mean, um, Pete, those things happen. I mean, where uh, even between good, uh, you know, good receivers, good quarterbacks. Um, that have these great reputations and and so on. So uh, those things those things will happen every once in a while, and uh, you 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 learn from it and you move on. So um, that's what we've got to do there. I mean, both guys, the quarterback and the receiver, <clears throat> are are good players. So it's uh, um, I don't think it it's a drastic thing there. They just they've got to be on the, you know just make sure that they clean that part up, and, and they will. This has been a, a tough year for Sky. Uh, I just think in general, and this, the you know, that's always a situation where if you can have one excellent play like this, like if it, the play goes a different way and Sky Moore has an eighty-yard touchdown, then suddenly the whole year has changed for him. But unfortunately, just another chapter, another um, nudge along that that you know maybe he you know is not going to be a a contributor long term for for Kansas City. But I think Reed's point here is it was one single play and it it's going to be something that they work on but it becomes magnified but when you, you essentially had the game on the line in that particular uh scenario yeah he um i wouldn't want to be sky more right now after no. last season with all the focus on him with the punt returns which you know uh i thought was real unfortunate for him because um you know that isn't his specialty coming into the league and the Chiefs needed to keep him on the roster, so they put him out there to do that and had trouble getting him to to do it well to start with. And, uh, you know, that's not all his fault. Um, some of it was circumstance. Some of it was, you know, the team failing to recognize what he was good at and what he was not good at. Uh, there's a lot of factors there. And, and, you know, here we are again in the following yeah. season, the second year in the league, he's having difficulties. And, um, I feel bad for the guy. I, I know that if the team can't make it work, they're going to have to move on from him. Um, and so that makes me feel bad for him. I like him though. You know, he's a good kid and, um, he seems to be smart and, um, he's just not getting it done the way we expected him to. I was surprised to see how many snaps he ended up getting in this game. I mean, they, they're mm -hmm. continuing to lean into him. Uh, and almost as, as many as Rasheed Rice, just two less than Rasheed Rice, who led the room again with 46, and more came in at 44. I I think they're they're trying to do their best to to get him going, uh, and it you know it doesn't seem to be working. And we'll, we'll have more on that in marinated takeaways. As a reminder, if you want to listen to Andy Reid in full at about a nine minute press conference on Monday, you can 
right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It's from the podium. When we come back, it's those world-famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, and it's time for the marinated takeaways from last night's disappointing loss to the Green Bay Packers, 27-19. The Chiefs are dropping to 8-4. and four. They actually dropped to fourth in the conference, John, which uh, is a steep drop. That's how that's how crowded it is at the top of the AFC. So now the Chiefs are going to need some help if they're going to finish with the top seed. Plenty of time to go, though. Five games and the schedules for the teams ahead of them. The Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Jaguars are, are a little bit tougher, um, you know, so long as the Chiefs can get by this Bills game with the win. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, let's reflect on this this Chiefs and Packers game. And, and John, I'll start with you. I keep thinking about Marty Schottenheimer, and he always talked about how the margin of victory in the NFL was so small. And here it is, you know, 30 years later, and it's still true. It's even more true. And, you know, Reed talked about that today. Um, and this is a this game is a great example of uh of how close these games really are it's right. real easy when the chiefs lose a game like this to say oh my god they they they're so messed up and it's there's a lot of legitimate beefs you can make about the chiefs but in the end it really only takes a few plays uh to get a result like this and in this case there's like four or five of them um you know, the interception certainly is one of them. The sacks and the red zone uh, go in there. There's a penalty in there. Any one of those things go differently, and the result of this game could be entirely different. I, right. I, I, th I thought one of the things that was interesting about this game is that the Chiefs didn't punt until very late in until the second half. Right. Um, they scored on every possession except for the halftime. Uh, I guess they ran out of time there, but um, they only they, had 18 so, seconds to start with or whatever. Well, it, was a, it was a great it was a great punt by uh, Green Bay. Yes. And they, they were yes. backed until they were three. So they they decided yeah. to just 
go into the yeah. locker room because they're going to get the ball anyway. So it wasn't really a, it wasn't a real possession as as yeah. we put it in our articles last night. But um, you know, it wouldn't have taken much for this game to go another way, and that's exactly what the league wants. That's what they want to see with parity that these games can go different ways. And of course, the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons have had these wonderful records, but many of them have been wins by a single score. And what we're seeing this year might be as simple as the chiefs are just a little bit off of that pace that they were in the last couple three years. And I I don't say this to make excuses for them. They they've got problems they need to fix. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not saying anybody's wrong in their determination of, of what that fix needs to be. But I think it's a mistake to look at the Chiefs and go, it's all totally messed up. I think there's just little things. And that's what Reed said today, that it's close. Yeah, and and you know, I think he saw toward the end of the game that uh, a couple calls could have could have gone both ways. Sure. Like the officials yeah. really dropped the ball. And I think they were trying to make up for it on the fly. Like I think a big part of what, what happened at the end of the game was uh, they felt like maybe they had misjudged the Marquez Valdez-Scantling going out of bounds, and then suddenly maybe they they thought, you know, I, I do think makeup calls exist, and I you know I think suddenly they may have thought, like, the P.I. on Marquez live was not as egregious as it was, and they thought they might be able to get away with a 50-50 call, but it wasn't a 50-50 call. It was like a 100-0 call, and, yeah. and you know, now they're – it's almost like they got – so deep in this trying to fix it that they made even more and more wrong decisions. The Hail Mary PI is never going to be called, but the right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, when I bring it up, I think you have to bring it up when you talk about this game, but I, I'm not blaming the one call of a 60 minute game for why the chiefs lost, but right. you, mm-hmm. you just would like to see less of the officials, but that's just another example of if the officiating is a little bit better toward the end of the game. Is it something where the Chiefs miraculously pull it off? Like even and even if they make that call on Marquez Valdez Gandling, which I'm I'm saying they should. Do the Chiefs get the two point conversion? They had failed the two point conversion earlier in the mm-hmm. game, and they have right. been iffy on short yardage. So just I mean, it's not like it was. Hey, if the refs make this call, we win. Like I don't know. I mean, maybe it goes to overtime. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't even go to overtime. So who knows? But that is that was a bonus marinade takeaway. I don't even have that on my list. Um, <laughs> My mind kind of stems off of yours, John, and and as I as I start to say this, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, picture me with with the SWAT shield because I know there's going to be some of you that are not not happy with this. <laughs> but I think truly lost in the game is that Chiefs the Chiefs scored points on their first four drives. I'm taking away that one at the end of the half. It doesn't that one didn't even count? They were they were saying we're just going to take the next possession in the second half. Uh, and and again, SWAT shield up. The defense was a little disappointing in this game, maybe even worse than allowing touchdowns and points like they did. They were allowing these methodical drives and then allowing the touchdowns. And so the possessions were getting limited. And when the Chiefs are only scoring three points on their limited possessions and you're giving up touchdowns, um, I I think that leads to a problem because you're you're essentially giving up control of the game. And I think this is a big more than just the game because. Games can go different ways. I know like that fourth and one play in the middle of the game where it was a rainbow pass between four defenders, that could have easily gone differently. And kind of as you were alluding to, then the whole game is different and the whole perspective is different. But I think something that, that's concrete that is worth talking about is we've been so high on the defense all year. 
What concerns me is they're low key, not so great against the run game. The the Packers were down uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is not as good. And they were able to run right and left and really dictate how the game was going to go by having success against the Chiefs um, in the run defense. And I saw that Ron pointed this out. This was from Sumer Sports uh, Evaluation and Advanced Analytics. Uh, the EPA per rush allowed for the Chiefs is 0.01. That's 31 of 32 on the year. Like they're as great as the defense has been. They're not so great uh, against the run. And if you allow a team to run all over you and you're allowing touchdowns, and meanwhile your offense is still trying to figure it out, you're going to be at a disadvantage in the game. And so, you know, I know that this is going to be a week of once again questioning the Chiefs' pass catchers, but I think the defense uh, owns a little bit uh, of this uh, as well, especially in not being great against the run and then thus allowing the Packers to essentially control the possessions and and by their thereby the game. Well, I I go back and forth on this because I really believe that uh, what Chris Jones was quoted as saying in the article that Ron had on the site this morning was that, you know, we got to stop the run because if they are efficient at running the ball, then they can move on to the play action game or they'll be efficient at that. And that's true. Right. Uh, That's absolutely true. But at the same time, over the years, we've seen a lot of teams try and win the time of possession battle by running the ball against the Chiefs. And most of the time, it doesn't work. Well, the good the good news on this is that it's very hard to replicate methodical drives that turn into right. touchdowns. It's like almost right. impossible. To, and and yeah. the Packers were really good at it last night. Let's say in a wild scenario, the Chiefs were to play the Packers again in the Super Bowl. Like, I do not think that they would be able to do that again. That was just a very – they. Mm-hmm. that is exactly what you want to do against Kansas City, and, it, and it's very, very hard to replicate. Well, right, except that sometimes you do that and it doesn't really work out because, as you noted, the EPA per play is a very small number compared to the EPA per play on passing plays. You know, uh, if the Chiefs were a little bit better at their own passing game, uh, maybe that wouldn't matter as much, you know, that they because because over the years, teams that have tried to keep Mahomes off the field by running the ball it's blown up in their face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. have these teams get 200 yards on the ground and still lose the game, you know? Right. I think, uh, it, so- I think it's a little different now if you're able to have success on the ground because the offense and we're like 13 weeks in is right. Indeed still figuring it out. And so that's right. where it's right. killer. And, so. but not by a lot, no. you know, it's not right. like Patrick Mahomes is the 32nd quarterback in the league in all these metrics. He's not. He's well, just not in the top three. <laughs> yeah, and that's the frustrating thing, too, is they were in the red zone. There was, again, not trying to blame officials, but there was that call on Creed Humphrey that seemed a little phantom, and that turned into a field yeah. goal instead of a touchdown. And then the first two drives end up in the red zone, and and you're able to get a field. I think the offense, um, it it's it's not as bad as, as people think because they're operating well between the 20s. It's Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, they had, if the red zone percentage, I looked it up this morning, is 55%. That's 13 in the NFL, right? Like, so the half of them that ended up turning into field goals, if those turn into touchdowns, and suddenly are we really talking about how bad the Chiefs' offense is? I mean, I know we're talking to, we're, in, we're going down what if hell, you know, right now. But, sure. Um, yeah. Well, that's our job. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of hypotheticals in this job. All right. What's your next marinated takeaway, Jeff? Well, uh, everybody's talking about Eric Bieniemy today, so I figured maybe I should too. Uh, yeah. Even my sister, 
uh, in our in our morning text asked me about Eric Bieniemy. Should, should oh, the Lord. Chiefs have kept Eric Bieniemy? And um, you know, it's, it's a it's a fair question. Uh, I, it's it's a very interesting thing to me because during the years that Bieniemy was here, um, he didn't have a lot of support necessarily among the fan base. Uh, no. People would say, you know, it's Andy Reid's team. He's just a figurehead. You know, he doesn't really have that much uh, bearing on what goes on. Oh, same yeah. Thing with McCall, same thing with McCole Hardman, John. Like, yeah. Same type right. Of deal. Yeah. And now that he's gone and things aren't quite the way they were, people are looking for any kind of thing that might explain what is going on. And going back to what I said before, we're not necessarily looking at something that is a huge difference. Maybe Eric Bieniemy's approach, you know, the good cop, bad cop thing, as Ron Cop put it this morning in uh, in his uh, Five Things We Learned piece on the on the website. Maybe that's something that was pretty significant for the Chiefs. I, I think it's a it's a fair question to ask. Um, I don't know the answer to it. I, I, but I, I think it's fair to wonder if that's part of what's going on with the Chiefs is that the enemy's influence as a um, as a disciplinarian uh, to fulfill a role that they need to have on the team, but one that Andy Reid doesn't want to fulfill um, and that Matt Nagy doesn't do very well. Maybe that's making a difference. I, I think it's worth asking that question. I don't know. I, I, I still don't think that the assistants should be talked about as much as they are on <laughs> on offense with the chiefs. I, I mean, it's the Andy Reid show and these guys kind of all compliment them. He, he goes above and beyond to mention these guys. Cause it's not like they're not helping at all, but it's more of a collaboration and, and Andy Reid has the final say and he calls the plays most of the time. I know that sometimes occasionally he'll give them up if they, it feels a little bit stale, but it's never for good. This is the Andy Reid show. And, you know, I felt that way when it was Peterson and the Nagy and Childress when they were co-offensive coordinators and when the enemy was here. And that was the whole problem with the enemy getting a job, too, that that would be referenced mm -hmm. all the time yeah. is like, oh, it doesn't make sense because Nagy and Peterson got jobs. But like you're still under the Andy Reid shadow. I mean, looking at Washington, right, because you have to do that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They've won one of their last seven games, and it was against the New England Patriots. Uh, and they scored 15 points against the Miami Dolphins yesterday. The game before, they scored 10 points against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that whole idea, and I know it's a different scenario, and I, I get it. It sure. seems like a little yeah. bit of a mess under Ron Rivera. But you're going to really hang your hat on that. The commander's got to at least be close to 500. They are 4-9. and nine. I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, I think it would make a, make a big difference if they were vying for a wild-card playoff spot in the NFC. And it's a team game, right? So that takes the defense not allowing X amount of points as well. I mean, I mean I'm not saying it's like a perfect measurement, but uh, for Bianami to to really be a, a major talking point here, the Commanders need to be in a, a better okay. scenario. And okay. if you and if you really if you really dig into if you really dig into like Washington X, this, like we have Chiefs X, and this is the Commander X, uh, <laughs> it's split on Bianami for the support of him. Like some are really pumped about him and want him to get an opportunity to stay and be the next head coach because it seems like Rivera is going to be on the way out. And then other people are, are saying, well, what has he really done for us here? And so I, I don't know. I'm not 
I'm not trying to hate on the enemy. I like him a lot. Yeah. I think he's overdue for his opportunity, but I don't think it's so cut and dry of being like, well, we plucked out the enemy. Now the offense has problems. I, I think it's more complicated than that. Well, and, and it probably is, but I would say something I like to point out about uh, comparing, you know, well, if the chiefs had gotten this player, then they would be so much better. Well, maybe because a lot of times it depends on a player's fit with the coaches and the scheme and, and all the other things that go into making up an NFL team. Is it possible that the enemy wouldn't be more valuable any place besides the chiefs? I mean, is it possible that the synergy that he and Reed had yeah. would, you know, would make this the sum greater than the parts more than would be the case with the enemy and Rivera in Washington, for example. So I'm not sure that, what he's doing in Washington now really necessarily enters into the equation just because so much of well, this is about personal relationships, you know, and it's Sam Howell and not Mahomes. And I mean, that right, plays a huge right, part of it. Too. Right. Exactly. But even still, I just think it's too complicated to say one plus one equals two, you know, I, right. I, I just, Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next marinade takeaway is all we are saying is give Richie a chance here. <laughs> Four snaps. I, you know, speaking of things that you can't really quantify, I, and I'm going to reference something that's like an inside football term that, that scouts you, the eye test. Richie with the ball in his hands is dangerous. And he, what was he, second in receiving for the Giants last year? That was a horrible team last year. And he was able to break out. I understand he's been out of the mix for a while now with the early season injury, but he looks healthy. And the glimpses that you get with the ball in his hands, I just think they need to tr try something here. I, I think one thing that like, I don't think the offense is that far off either. I agree with Andy Reid. I think it's close, but it could use a spark of some sort. That's why I'm mm -hmm. not completely opposed to the chiefs going and maybe trying to get Zach Ertz or bring someone, you know, get, let's try something different here and let's keep trying. I think you've established your three top targets, which is always going to be Kelsey. Rasheed Rice has proven that he has earned the trust of the quarterback, and I think they're leaning more into Isaiah Pacheco, which I really like. But mm -hmm. you could still use other players and get other players involved to continue to try to, to give you a spark. I feel similar similarly about Kadarius Tony, but there, but Tony has a little bit of a weird, curious case of Tony thing going on. Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Is something more going on? <laughs> I, I, but I, I would like to see James get an increase in, in snaps here. I, I just think. Uh, it looks a little bit different when he has the ball in his hands. It looks dangerous. And I, I think that, and similar what really when Pacheco has the ball in his hands, you're like, uh Oh, here comes the wrecking ball. And yeah. James has a little <laughs> bit of that to him. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a little bit of a violent runner. And I, I think we've seen that work with Pacheco. And so I would like to see the chiefs lean into James a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they will, um, but I just see it as a potential opportunity to, to change things up a little bit here. Well, I don't disagree with you. I mean, obviously, if we're talking about just making little changes here to get the offense where it needs to be, a spark may, might be all the difference. Right. But here's the problem. Pretty soon we're talking about having, you know, six wideouts sharing all the snaps instead of concentrating on your best guys. That's the problem. Well, my, you know, He might be one of the best three guys. but Yeah, not, well, right, yeah. The problem also, too, with this, too, and, I, you know, I can admit this, is like we're saying, oh, let's try Richie James. At a certain point, you got to lean into the team. Like it, it's no longer the first quarter of the season. We're in the final third of the year, and 
you, you would you would have hoped that the identity would be established by now and you knew who, who to lean into. But I still think the Chiefs are figuring that out with five games to go. And it's like, at what point do you have to say it sort of say we got to roll with these guys? And so I get that, too. But I I don't know. I'm seeing James with the ball in his hands and I just don't get why he's not getting more looks. That's all. You know, if Tony were hurt, you know, if he wasn't active for a game, I think we would get more looks from James. But I think what the Chiefs are hoping for is that Tony can be the guy who will give them sparks in big games because they can't really trust him. I mean, look at the guy run. Look at the way he plays. No wonder he's hurt all the time. I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, Sad, he, it's he, like, I, I know plays you with mean. such he plays does, with such abandon, you know, I, I can't imagine him getting a whole lot of work in a game, you know? And I I don't like to do the injury thing, but it real when Tony plays, you you know, and he go you he gets tackled, you're like, is this it? Is this, is this yeah. when he kicks out of <laughs> Yeah, right. It just almost is like it's like a matter of time thing with him, which is tough to say about somebody, but I I think that's why you see the Chiefs only using him sparingly because they're like, we need this guy for those sparks. And if you play him 40 plays a game, you're not going to have him the next game. Like it, right. it's a sad reality of, of his career at this point. Yeah. All right. What's your final marinated takeaway? Well, this is just something um, something interesting because I, I, I'm i the guy that writes up the, the, uh, the betting lines article every week. And I always like to look at the last couple of weeks and how teams did against the spread in their last couple of games. And last week, I noticed that um, two weeks ago, uh, the Packers beat the Chargers by three after being a three-point underdog to mm. the Chargers. The following week, they beat the char- the uh, the Lions by seven after being a seven-and-a-half-point underdog to the Lions. And here uh, on Sunday Night Football, they were a six-point underdog to the Chiefs and won by eight points. Yeah. Now, this is a team that is flipping the script yep. week after week after week. Three weeks in a row now they've done this, come back and, and won a game by the amount of points that they were expected to lose by. And I think this means we need to pay attention to the Packers. You you mentioned early in the show that you that you see them as, as a team that could maybe enter the playoffs as a wild card and surprise us. And I got to tell you, I agree with you based yeah. on what we've seen here these last three weeks. And I, uh, you know, in our newsletter last week, I wrote a piece about the p- parallels between Jordan Love now and Aaron Rodgers in his first years, uh, first year as a starter for Green Bay in 2008. And there were a lot of weird things that were the same mm-hmm. uh, coming into week 13 uh, of 2008 as they were this year. And that was just for fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that he showed us on Sunday night that he can be a really fine NFL quarterback. And I know that, you know, we didn't weren't impressed with him when we played against him in 2021. And I think a lot of fans, at least Chiefs fans, uh, came into this game thinking, oh, this guy is no good. And right. not so sure. <laughs> I, just wonder what, I just wonder what my life is going to look like when Jordan Love becomes a member of the Jets. Like, will I have kids <laughs> at that point? Will they be going to college? Will I have been right. married? Will I, right. You know, what, what a, how, much, how much gray am I going to have? How much hair do I have left? Probably not so much. I just I wonder about that. Yeah, no, he's good. Uh, um, he's really grown into uh, his yeah uh, his game, and uh, it seems like the Packers got another one. It's it's a really nice uh, 
break for them. You see how hard it is in New England. It's not an easy thing. And and you know you're teetering along the lines of like, did they just do this three times in a row where they got a quarterback for 15 years and are just going to have a franchise quarterback for 45 straight years? There's not 32 of these in the league. There's probably not even like 15, uh, let alone right. mm-hmm. uh, being able to do it three times. So good for them. He's an exciting player to watch. Uh, Packers are a much better watch now, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, and and again, I, I think they, you know, kind of like Chris Collinsworth had to tell you 17 times, I think they're going to make the postseason. You know? <laughs> I think they'll be agree with you. We don't have to hear you for the seventh time. All right. Um, last point for me, and this is kind of like a sad point, but this is just a reality I think we're living in now. I think this is the lowest the margin for error has been for Patrick Mahomes and, and his team since maybe like 2018. Like, I, I think this team is better to me than the 18 version, but um it's still a great team and it's still one of capable of reaching the final four. Like the, all the teams that we're talking about uh, have been able to, but I just think they can't make mistakes. Like Mahomes mm-hmm. can't afford to make it a, a bad throw anymore. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey can't afford to fumble it. The near fumble from Rasheed Rice. Uh, and you know, the, to an extent the chiefs play close games, I guess the margin has always been low, but I, did, I think in previous years there was, there was always just this like, Again, I'm trying to to describe uh, intangible things today, but like there was always this feeling of, well, the Chiefs have the ball now; the other team is screwed. And I just like I've lost that a little bit this year, right? Like you're just like I don't know if they're gonna do it, and sometimes they don't. uh, Like like you saw last night, and I think if you uh, make mistakes, you take too many penalties, you don't win the turnover battle. The Chiefs just don't have enough this year to overcome it. Like if the defense has a bad game. and so is it good enough to win a championship? Yeah, for sure. I, I do think they have the, the players to, to do that again. I, I think they can make a run. But if they get into a game on wild card weekend, if they have to play or divisional round weekend, and all of a sudden they make mistakes early, I just don't have that fire in my belly that they're going to be able to rally back as I did in previous years. Um, and so it's important to, to show up uh, you know, as we get closer to the the playoffs this is like a playoff game this weekend john with the buffalo bills the bills are still playing for their playoff life they have to win out if they're going to make the postseason period and if the chiefs want to get back into that number one contention and feel like they have a manageable schedule ahead of them and an opportunity to win the number one they have to beat the bills this weekend and so a little bit of a pseudo playoff game and i'm curious to see uh, how the chiefs show up and and that's the beauty of the nfl too i know everyone is going to be down this week and panicky and complaining and but they beat the Bills, and suddenly a couple teams right. ahead of you lose. You get one or two losses from the teams we just described. You're suddenly back in the mix. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the tiebreakers on your side. It's just got to come back to you a little bit. And so, right. We'll and that see. could start as soon yeah. as tonight, as a matter of fact. You know, if the Bengals beat the Jaguars tonight, uh, sure. that's a step in the Chiefs' favor, you know? So, right. Yeah. Seems a little less likely now that they've lost Joe Burrow, but uh, yeah, you still, never know. Still, yeah. still a good team around around him um I believe the quarterback's jake browning now so we'll see uh it it uh five weeks to go and and we've entered that 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 part of the year where sometimes you got to root for for other teams and uh i know a lot of people will be rooting for the once hated Bengals tonight against those jacksonville uh <laughs> jaguars all right when we come back uh john will give us a, a few factoids about the snap counts uh we'll check the current odds uh against the bills and I don't know. It's 2.30 on a a Monday. We'll touch on Zach Ertz. By the time you're listening to this, he might already have a new team. So that's why we're putting it last. Um, We'll be right back. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. 
Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor show, the Chiefs coming off a loss to the Green Bay Packers, 27-19 on Sunday Night Football. Breaking it down right here, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. John, we're going to go to you. Uh, Taking a look at these snap counts, your initial thoughts, uh, anything stand out that we ought to discuss right here on the Editor show? Well, I think um, watching the game, uh, I thought, well, you know, I don't know that uh, Wanye Morris played that much. I don't know if we'll be able to get that much out of what we, you know, what we could see in this game. Well, he was on the field for 69% of the snaps Mm. in Sunday night's game. Um, He had a 73.4 grade uh, for his pass blocking on pro football focus. That's a pretty good score, actually. That's good. And uh, 51.3 on the run and a 62.4 overall. So not so hot on the run and, you know, okay at kind of a little above average uh, Tough to see from a broadcast angle, but I would have thought it would have been flipped. That's actually news to me that he was better yeah. pass blocking than run blocking. Well, that uh, that's I, I thought the same thing. And uh, but, you know, we, this is just one perspective that's the thing you have to remember about pro football focus PFF is great when their numbers support what you're saying you got to ignore it when you don't that's what i do but it's an it's a nice way to to (laughs) to quantify something a little bit uh when you when it's hard to to really take it all in in real time it's not like you're watching the running back go you know yeah yeah see Mm -hmm. what they do another thing that i thought was interesting uh, I would have said that Travis Kelsey uh, spent a lot of time on the sidelines yesterday because I maybe that's just because he had just talked about he wasn't going to leave the game unless he was exhausted and right. uh, you know he he just couldn't go on for another play. Eighty nine percent of the snaps mm. on on Sunday night, um, which is a lot. I mean, he's normally a, a, a high percentage guy. But mm-hmm. normally, like seventy-five percent or the the high seventies, not almost ninety percent. So I thought that was a real interesting number. Eighty-nine percent um, for that. That's a shout out to to Taylor. Nineteen eighty-nine. I first sh- suffered a first loss as a Chiefs fan <laughs> last night. Also, too. First yeah. Up. Well. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Um, on the wideouts, just as we expected and as we hoped, Rasheed Rice gets sixty-eight mm-hmm. percent of the snaps. And as you noted before, Sky Moore, also a big contributor in in terms of how much he was on the field, 66%. Um, and then the third guy was Justin Watson, kind of uh, not a lot of action to him in the game, but he was on the field for 63% yeah. of the snaps. And then Valdez Scantling, below 50%, had 48% of the snaps. Um, and Tony, just 18%. So one snap in five in round figures for Tony in this game, it seemed like he wasn't even out there until mm. like the second half. That's what it seemed yeah. like to me. I don't know what is going on with him. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, what did you say the percentage on more was? 60 66%. What? Yeah. And then James, James, James was what? Uh, uh, you mean rice or James or, Oh, James, James was just 11%. So more was in the sixties and James was 11%. The final tally is one catch for 12 yards for James Moore, one catch for five yards. And we noted the, that key play that, that he messed mm-hmm. up. So And six times as far, many snaps. Yeah. Far less snaps for James <laughs> and he manages more yardage. I mean, that, that's wild. I mean, right. Could, well, yeah. Could be an outlier there. They uh, may have, they've, they must have some reason why they continue to put more out there. That's the only thing I can come up well, with. I don't know what it is. He's a, but I think it, he's a second rounder, you know, and he does sometimes have these moments where he 
catches a ball downfield for a first down. Um, nobody celebrates a 10-yard first down like Sky Moore. He gets fired up. <laughs> and I I think what they'd like to see happen is him put more of those plays together. But you can only have that happen if you get the time. But I wonder if they do make a change here. They have to see what I'm seeing with, with James and just maybe getting them some more opportunities. But, you know, one thing we we – can note here is they've been messing with the wide receiver snaps i i do think there is an effort in there to try to get the best guys on the field i just for one reason or another it just hasn't been the guys that that uh maybe we've wanted to see or some of us have wanted to see and others others haven't but i don't know Let's see how they uh, they change them next week uh, against the buffalo bills a couple other uh, offensive notes there i always like to uh, look at yeah. the pass run yeah. ratio 58-42 pass run in Sunday's game. So once again, right around that 60-40 split, which is better or more uh, more running than we have typically seen from the Chiefs over the years, just a little bit more. And they've done that now for five straight weeks, uh, putting uh, uh, around about 60-40. So, and, uh, and, you know, we saw the results of that in this game. Uh, when Pacheco was in there uh, running all the time, uh, he was effective and made some, oh, wow, plays running the ball. So uh, that's a good thing. Um, it was the largest proportion of wide receivers. I always do the math on this to figure out the average number of positions on the field, average number of players at each position. Yeah. And this is the uh, the largest number all year, 2.69 wide receivers on the field on average. So that means that the Chiefs weren't running as many uh, one-two personnel packaging packages uh, with mm. two tight ends. So that also means that uh, Kelsey, when he was playing 89% of the snaps, was the only tight end in the field quite a bit of the time. Yeah. So um, those things I thought were interesting uh, in this game. And uh, finally, um, we're back to uh, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams splitting time as the third uh as the third cornerback um williams had 27% of the snaps watson had 25 um in more recently uh watson has been the guy and williams has been mostly a special teams player not on sunday um and i also found this interesting with all the trouble at linebacker that neither cam jones or darius harris particularly surprised about Darius Harris, who had some experience uh, as a starter in the Chiefs yeah. defense, when they uh, only played special teams on Sunday. Um, so they apparently like something about Jack Conkren um, well, that we, a, we don't know yet. You know, that's a key position. I mean, when you're you got to call the place, right? Like, right. I know that they mixed and matched. Remember, we had that game. I don't know if it was last year, or the year before they all they all start to to vibe together. But where three of the linebackers had the green dot, like Willie Gay has done it before, but instead, they, right. you know, they decided to just put Cochran in there. So they do like Cochran. Um, again, I, I think this will push Bolton to to get in the lineup this weekend. Speaking of that, uh, what are the current odds against the Buffalo Bills hosting them at Arrowhead Stadium in that late afternoon slate this Sunday? Well, once again, the Chiefs are favored, wow. but by about 2.5 points. So they on a neutral field, these teams would be pretty even in the eyes of the bookmakers. But at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs are favored by two and a half. Hmm. 
Yeah, it would be a pick them at a neutral field because I said yep. three mm-hmm. points for. It's about right yeah, to me. Typically two and a half to three points. I don't know how to call advantage. this game. I mean, both teams really need it in different ways. Um, and both are coming off a loss. The Bills have the rest edge. Uh, you know, that's been a, a theme as well. Big time right. rest edge. They had, had a buy uh, before they they come to Arrowhead, um, which is big. I mean, that, especially when you're, when you're dealing with two teams who are, are close to in the eyes of many, even you're, you're allowing a team to have a buy and, and come in for a big AFC game. So see if that has any impact on the result of this one. I want to touch on Zach Ertz. As of, as I just mentioned, we are recording. It is Monday at 2.46 p.m. This is the latest from Jeremy Fowler, who reported on Brian Cook a little earlier. While the Eagles have wrapped up the Shaq-Leonard deal, they've also inquired on old friend Zach Ertz, who is still evaluating options as of this afternoon. Seems like he might have enough interest to sign for a contract, John, uh, which I think would change things for Kansas City being interested like I, I they're usually interested in the very cheap veteran minimum type deal but if there's teams with room out there and he is getting three or four teams that are interested it seems like kansas city is one of those teams i don't know how much casey would commit or, or would be able to commit to Ertz. i i've said this on a couple of our our, our things that we do here I'm not usually into hot name as available, go get them. But similar to my take on James, I, I think this would be a player to add to the mix that could have a big impact for not so much money. But I'm just curious as to what he goes for. And I think it's going to be tough, especially with Dallas Goddard kind of banged up in Philly. I think he probably longs to go back and be an eagle. And and if I'm guessing, I tend to think he lands with Philadelphia. But who knows? There, I think there is an outside chance he surprises people and, and comes to Kansas City. Yeah, that could be. I, I'm not as convinced as a lot of people are that uh, they're that interested in him. And I'm not as convinced as some are that he is able to play at any kind of a, a level. I mean, are we talking about a guy who's going to be like Blake Bell? You know, he just right. gets a few snaps in every game. Uh, Bell had very few snaps in Sunday's game. Um, so I don't know. To, yeah. to me, is it he, seems more like replacing- a... Noah Gray from a blocking capacity. Yeah. I don't think so. I know. don't see that. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, unless they put him out there as a as a wide receiver, kind of like they did with uh, with uh, Kelvin uh, years ago. Um, Gosh, don't compare him to Benjamin. <laughs> I, I think that's the role that they would put him in. Right. It, it would be more of like a pass catcher dual threat mm-hmm. with Kelsey type of deal. Um, you know, in a twelve. I don't know. I. I think he lands with Philadelphia, but there always is the possibility that he comes to Kansas City. If he does come to Kansas City, we'll have you updated at arrowheadpride.com, and we'll talk about it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Keep it going. Uh, This is a a tough, tough break for KC coming off a loss, but they can right the ship this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. We'll have content for you guys all week long. Uh, It is the Christmas season, and so – I, I said that I, I had teased this before that I was going to talk about my book again. If you want to remember last year's uh, great season, you can get a Dynasty Begins. Uh, they're they're available on Amazon, and you know I can get you the link. Just shoot me an email uh, if if you are interested in getting that great Christmas present, great stocking stocking stuffer, John. Uh, the the book from last year, Dynasty Begins. Um, if you leave us a rating and a review right here at Apple iTunes, we will read it on the show. I asked for them last week. I asked for three last week. I got one. 
So if you do quick math here, one times three, we need three times as many reviews for next week's show after the Buffalo Bills. We appreciate them. For Steve Serta behind this virtual glass and John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Mm-hmm.